warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Five of the Real Britannia podcast with Scott and Tony, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism, isn't that right, sir? It certainly is. Very nice to see you in person in the Balaban Sound Studio on yes. Skype today. How are you liking the new surroundings? It's um, a lot better, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot a... more comfortable. I can lean. Yeah. Whilst looking out at the um, window of Balaban. The Balaban window. The Balaban window. <laughs> um, after yeah. my treacherous journey in this morning. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's it's a bit easier to work in here, and ladies and gentlemen. Me and Tony had a bit of a conversation um, over the week, and, and we're going to try and record fortnightly now. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to actually come here. Uh, we're going to try and you know we're, we're into the swing of it now. This is number five. We've sort of made a conscious decision not to go down misery lane if we can help it. No. Uh, even though there have been some notable deaths in the last time since we recorded, mainly careers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> American. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the American stars. careers <laughs> die. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The less said about that, the better. It's just. Oh. Um, <laughs> so we're going to sort of come up over the next couple of weeks with with sort of features, and we'll probably, you know, I don't know, we'll have a bit of music and, and a, a little game or something. Because we're now face to face. We're looking at each other over a, over a desk now, mm. and uh, it's going to be so much easier to do stuff rather than relying on Skype and it. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, diversify a bit more. Yeah, so today's movie was your choice, which was Troubling Store from 1953. 1953 classic. The first movie for Norman Wisdom. For Norman Wisdom. So what we've done in sort of preparation for the episode today, I've done a little 10 minute, well it's all like a little mini biography as such, isn't it, yeah. of Norman Wisdom. You listened to it the other night. Yeah, very good. And it goes into the trailer. So what we'll do, we'll play that first of all, and we'll go straight into our review of, of Troubling Store. Don't laugh at me Cause I'm a fool I know it's true Yes, I'm a fool No one seems care I'd give the world to share my life with someone who really loves me I see them all falling in love but my lucky star hides up above Someday maybe my star will smile on me 
don't laugh at me because I'm a fool. Well, I was born in very sorry circumstances. Both of my parents were very sorry. <laughs> and, and then eventually, this is true, actually, they, they divorced and neither of them wanted me. <laughs> don't blame them. But I finished up when I was 14, really hungry, walking the streets of London. It's very sad. Walking the streets of London and nowhere to sleep. I was sleeping like behind, behind the Marshall Foss statue and in, in doorways and that sort of thing. Norman Wisdom heard here in conversation in 1983. And although he made light in later life of his childhood, it was a truly horrific upbringing. Described in his autobiography as Dickensian, his alcoholic father would beat him regularly. At the age of nine, his mother fled the family home, leaving him and his older brother Fred to fend for themselves. Walking to school barefoot and stealing food just to survive were an everyday occurrence to young Norman Wisdom. He got by with jobs as a delivery boy, waiter, page boy and cabin boy sailing to South America, all before he'd reached the age of 14. He learned to box, earning money in fairground booze before joining the army at that early age. Living hand to mouth and sleeping rough on the harsh London streets, he was told that he would be accepted by the army from 14 as long as he joined the band. Within a few weeks, he found himself posted to India, where he learned to play the trumpet. He taught himself to play a variety of other instruments, learned to tap dance and entertain the troops with songs and sea shanties. Returning to England, Norman was determined to make it big, but the outbreak of World War II in 1939 put pay to his plans. And he found himself back in the army, this time in the Royal Signals. At the end of the war, with a career in comedy firmly in his sights, Norman began to tread the boards, appearing in theatres and musicals around the country, albeit very low down on the bill. But in 1947, he got his big break at a charity performance at the Victoria Palace Theatre, sharing the bill with none other than Laurel and Hardy. Impresario Bernard Delfont recognised Norman's talent and gave him an eight-minute spot in one of his productions. Norman, with the crowd lapping up his every word, stayed on stage for over 30 minutes. But yet, the famous Norman Wisdom character, a character that he would refer to as the Gump, was yet to be born. The Norman Wisdom, known and loved for the check cap and tightly fitting suit, came to life in Scarborough, where he was sharing the bill with legendary magician David Nixon. One night, Nixon asked Norman to be part of his act and to help him by messing up some of his magic tricks on stage. Playing the part of an audience member, Norman went out specially and bought the outfit that would become his trademark. 30 bob for the suit and a further shilling for the cap. No doubt we will look further in detail at the life of one of Britain's greatest comedians as we review more of his movies over the following months, but it was surely with troubling store that Norman Wisdom truly entered the hearts of the British public. For his performance, Wisdom won a BAFTA for Most Promising Newcomer. And although it was shown at a West End venue, the film managed to break box office records 
at 51 out of the 67 London cinemas in which it played. Norman Wisdom would go on to gain celebrity status in lands as far apart as South America, Iran and many of the Eastern Bloc countries, particularly Albania, where his films were the only ones by Western actors that were permitted by dictator Enver Hoxha to be shown. Charlie Chaplin even referred to Norman Wisdom as his favourite clown. Norman Wisdom later forged a career on Broadway and as a TV actor, proving that he could also do drama, and won critical acclaim for his role of a dying cancer patient in the TV play Going Gently in 1981. He was knighted in 2000 and spent much of his later life on the Isle of Man. He continued acting with TV roles in Last of the Summer Wine and Coronation Street and eventually retired from acting at the age of 90 after his health began to deteriorate. Norman Wisdom died on the 4th of October 2010 at the age of 95. Keep listening for more reviews of Norman Wisdom movies as I'm sure Tony and I will be working our way through them all. Most of them are great, but be warned there's a couple of bizarre movies coming your way. But for now, Norman Wisdom's big screen debut from 1953, Trouble in Store. is on the screen for the first time and up to his neck in trouble. He's the lowliest employee at London's most important store, but he gets to the top the quickest way by turning the store upside down. Norman Wisdom at his incomparable best, aided and abetted by the one and only Margaret Rutherford. I could hug him. <laughs> she is a shoplifter whose day is never done till every bag is full. Vivacious Lana Morris is the girl of Norman's dreams. I'd like to put on record that I love you, love you, love you. I want the whole wide world to know it's true. Maura Lister doesn't put anything on record. She just breaks them, ask Derek Bond. While Jerry Desmond is the overheated boss who must be constantly cooled off. Cause I'm a fool 
I'm a fool. We've got to warn Mr. Freeman, because they're going to raid the store tomorrow. Travelling Store, released in the UK, 14th December 1953. First movie, as you say, for Norman Wisdom, directed by John Paddy Carstairs, starring Norman Wisdom, Moira Lister, Megs Jenkins, Jerry Desmond, Margaret Rutherford, Lana Morris, and there's Joan Sims in there as well, amongst others. Tony, give us the synopsis, please. The synopsis is, Norman is working in the stockroom of a large London department store, but has an ambition, doesn't he always, he wants to be a window dresser, making up the public displays. Whilst trying to fulfil his ambition, he falls in love, doesn't he always, with one of the shop girls. Together they discover a plot to rob the store and somehow manage to foil the robbers. Right, 14th of December 1953. This is another little thing we're going to be doing, we sort of decided now as, as we introduce the movie, if possible, if there is a chart, because the chart started the year before, 1952, in the UK. So we're lucky with this one. There's um, there's actually a chart, UK pop chart, we can refer to. Now, way back in 1953... Remember it well. Remember it well. There was this <laughs> really bizarre sort of habit that if a record was released in the USA, a British artist would record their version of it, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Towards the end of 1953, right, if you go back to November, David Whitfield hit the chart with Answer Me, right, for about a week. Frankie Lane then released his version and sort of took the number one spot for about four or five weeks. David Whitfield then went back to number one with it. Answer Me. And then Frankie Lane leapfrogged David Whitfield again to have another three or four weeks at number one. And it's with exactly the same song called Answer Me. Tell me how I came to lose your life. Different times. Yeah. Different it, times. It wouldn't happen. But then again, singles don't seem to have the same you were sort of importance now, do they? The singles of markets died, hasn't it? Because of downloads and things like that. Yeah. But Frankie Lane, I mean... Frankie Lane, you, do you know Frankie Lane? Rawhide and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, because you, you're you're into your old music as well as your old. I do like old music. Yeah, I like old stuff. I'm an old person at heart. I'm trapped in a young man's body. Trapped in a young man's body. <laughs> I'm a young man that drives a Mondeo, <laughs> and was complaining it was nippy this morning, so I put my jacket on Bless to you, walk that... to the car. Oh, from the car to the Balaban Studios, which was about fifteen feet. <laughs> I got out of my car and put my jacket on to do that. And how old are you? 23, 23 years old. But well, while we're on that subject, come on, this always fascinates me. I mean, this one, I can sort of understand you being aware of. Mm. I think Norman Wisdom, until recently, is um, a movie star that kids have always watched. Yeah, he used to like the um, Paul and Barry chuckle of his time, wasn't he? Exactly. Called, yeah, rolled into one. Yeah. Would Would you say that if I was to show Troubling Store to a five or six year old now, in this day and age, they'd enjoy it? I think they would, because I've shown a lot of normal wisdom stuff to my little and he quite enjoys it. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yep. It's slapstick, it's easy watching for them. Yep. Um, it's not too serious, is it? I don't think they could follow the plot, but so there's no sort of reaction to, oh, I'm not watching that. It's black and white, or oh, it's old, or anything. No, you know, it, 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 it just works across the yeah. ages. 
Right, first Norman Wisdom film I've watched, right, this is probably in 30 years, 20, 30 years since I've last watched Norman Wisdom, but I'm pretty sure I've seen them all. Hmm. And back in the day, they were on Saturday afternoon on the TV, Sunday matinees, you know, or I even remember the Saturday morning pictures they used to show them, that's how old I am. And I'm going to be honest, I, the first thought that went through my head is if I was to show this to a teenager today, they'd laugh at me. They wouldn't laugh at the film, they'd laugh at me for, you know, what is this rubbish? Help me out here, because you've been watching Norman Wisdom films more recently than I have. Am I remembering rightly that although this is his first movie, it's probably not his best? I think he's finding his feet with it, wasn't he? Yeah. It does get better, doesn't it? It's... It gets a lot better. Um, I think the best one was his last one, The Early Bird. The one where he plays the milkman. When he was the milkman with Mr. Grimsdale. Yeah, because I there think... were others that he did, weren't there, they, afterwards? Yeah, they were and there's some very, very strange ones as well that you know I sort of mentioned in that biography thing that I did. Yeah. The early bird, yeah, that was in colour, wasn't it? It was in colour. Starts off with a horse in the bed, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nelly. So I think they had a lot more money then, and obviously things had moved on quite a lot from. He was massive, wasn't he? He Was you know for for a very brief window, sort of four or five years, he was number one British box office star, which is incredible to think. You know, that's why I think when he started out with Trouble in Store, which was a good film, yeah, but you can see it's on a budget. Very yeah. tight budget. And he's still finding his feet with it all. Also, I also think the studio weren't going to take too much of a risk. No. But luckily, you know, the, I think the Margaret Rutherford is a absolute brainwave. You know, it's, a, it's an ideal piece of casting. It's like, well, at least we've got Margaret Rutherford in there. Joan Sims, probably really less known at the time. She hadn't hit the carry-ons to that degree that she's famous for. No. Um, Very young Joan Sims, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and Moira Lister. Moira Lister was quite famous on radio. You aware of Tony Hancock? Yep, Hancock's half hour. You, you, right. Well, you know, that's another question I need to ask you. Radio, old time radio stuff. Goon Show, Tony Hancock, that sort of stuff. I did listen to a lot. Of you that. have listened to it, so you're aware of all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. First, I think it was only one, one season um, of Hancock. Moira Lister played Tony Hancock's girlfriend. Right. Before it became the classic lineup of um, Sid James and Hattie Jakes and, mm. and Bill Kerr and all that sort of stuff, and I think Andre Melly was his girlfriend for another one. Um, but Moira Lister recognised her voice immediately. She's she's the uh, personnel officer, the yep. blonde one. Let's run through this. Let's have a look. Talk to me about Norman Wisdom. How, how did you? Was this the first one you can remember watching? I bet you can't remember what order you've watched these in. At I all. can't remember what order I watched them in. Um, all I know is, is another one from a young age. It is my nan that got me into them. Yeah. Um, she had the VHSs of them. Yep. And we used to watch them all the time, all the old stuff around the house. Brilliant. Um, she was a massive, massive fan of Normal Wisdom. George Formby? Not so much. Will Hay? No. Old Mother Riley? No. So it was Norman Wisdom. It was, oh, right, yeah. Okay. It was, she was a massive Norman Wisdom fan, and yeah. I think that's how I got into it as well. Yeah. Um, again, it was for me, it was easy watching when I was young. And it, you know, like I say, again, it comes back to sort of the Chuckle Brothers stuff. So I, that was my sort of mentality well, it, at the it time. It cracks me up that that is your turn to <laughs> comparison is the Chuckle Brothers. Yeah, it's, it's very much <laughs> like that, isn't it? Oh, you could see that a lot of people compared Lee Evans to. Yeah, for his energy. Yeah, the knockabout side of things. Yeah. Was it too much over the top, this movie? The gurning, the laughing, the falling about? I don't think so. 
No, you love this film, don't you? I yeah, just I, I do love this film, <laughs> and it, I, I don't think that as a put. That's just Norman wisdom because when he's in his later stuff, like Last of the Summer Wine, he still does all that now. Yeah. So it was just him. Yeah. It was just him, and some of the interviews and other bits and pieces and the cameos he's done, I've seen, and he's just like that. Did you ever see that series? I mentioned that the um, the eighty one drama that he did, where he plays the cancer patient that's dying in hospital. Um, have you ever seen any of his serious stuff? Uh, what was the name of it? It's called Breaking Away or something. I can't remember now. But I've always had this this theory that comedians make very good serious actors as well. David Jason proves that point. Yes. Very, very well. Yeah. And going all the stuff he did, mm. straight over to Frost, which was a very um, I love, serious... I love Touch of Frost. I love Frost. <laughs> I'm a big fan of David Jason's work. Yeah. Know. Yeah, but I just think comedians in general, when you see them, I think, I don't know if you're aware of Freddie Davis. Freddie Parrotface Davis was another big sort of star in the 70s. And he did a couple of serious things. I think he played like a villain. You know, they play villains really yeah. well because you don't expect Mike to. Reed. Mike Reed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mike Reed. <laughs> I think it's a good one for that. I think even Bradley Walsh has done some serious stuff, yeah. hasn't he? You know. Yeah, the <laughs> Bradley Walsh. <Yeah. laughs> Won't be watching the new season of Doctor Who, I take it. No, I don't like Doctor Who. I don't understand. <laughs> don't understand. No, I, I, I can't see the fascination with someone in a phone box. If there was a man playing with his sonic screwdriver in a phone box around this way, he'd be arrested for it. <laughs> oh, no, it's a woman now, though, isn't it? It is indeed, yes. Times have changed. Uh, it's probably one of the only TV shows that I really watch and have watched since I was a kid so we, we won't talk about that he obviously doesn't like it no I'm not kind of <laughs> okay so we've got Norman Wisdom we've got Moira Lister playing the dodgy personnel officer Peggy Drew Peggy Drew now Miss Gibson the stockroom assistant that worked with Norman did you recognise her no right lady's name is Megs Jenkins right just before we went on air we were talking about Oliver Right. She's in Oliver. Okay. She's the nanny um, when Oliver gets taken into the rich family's house. Right, okay. Because yeah, I said, when we were talking off air, I said I've not watched Oliver, Oliver for a long, long time. Long time. So uh, now, when I watch it, you'll spot I'm going to be her. conscious of that. She she sort of made a career as she got older, playing those sort of mumsy nanny-type servants, you know. Uh, Wurzel Gummidge. She was the mother in Wurzel Gummidge that ran the farm. Oh, right. In later life. Um, but throughout, like, the 50s and the 60s, she was she did a lot of, like, Charles Dickensy stuff, you know, and um, she was more your sort of, like, your servant, your nanny, that type of thing. I thought she was brilliant in this, actually, because obviously we're probably going to focus on Norman Wisdom throughout this conversation, mm. but the supporting cast, they just make the movie. I mean, let's go through it. We've done more of a list of Megs Jenkins. Jerry Desmond. Brilliant. Jerry Desmond, he's an authority figure in all of them, isn't he? He appears in quite a few, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, he's in a lot of them. Yeah. I think he's a brilliant actor. And Booming I can't remember, him, can't remember him from anything else apart from Norman Wisdom <laughs> films. Oh, there was something I've seen him in, and yeah. I can't for the life of me think of the name of it, but he, again, he is sort of like cameo roles in some things every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Um, Using quite a few comedies, if I remember yeah, rightly. Yeah, playing that same sort of yeah, It's the same figure character. all the time. yeah. Like John Four, when he's he's just a policeman everywhere he goes, isn't he? <laughs> policeman or lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the girlfriend Lana Morris. Yes, Sally Wilson. Sally Wilson, pretty girl at the time. 
Big eyes. Very big eyes. <laughs> can't remember her from anything else. No, I, think, I can't. I think when I was doing a bit of sort of research for this, Lana Morris ended up doing more of those sort of like panel games on TV throughout the 60s. She was just one of those faces that was always on the telly in What's My Line or something like that, you know. And I could be talking talking complete bollocks. Go was on. she in one of the carry-ons, an early carry-on? Shall we have a look? I want to say she's in an early carry-on. Or it's someone that looks remarkably like her. See, this is the thing. Because of rank and all that lot had this stable of stars, they would cross over into a lot of different movies. You would see the same faces, yeah. wouldn't you, throughout this time? Lana Morris, British stage film TV actress during the 50s and 60s. Foresight Saga on TV is probably what she's best known for. Passed away, oh, 1998, 20 years ago. Oh. Um, Howard's Way, she was in. Remember Howard's Way? Probably a bit before your time. She was in an Inspector Morse as well. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Do you reckon she's in an early carry-on, possibly? It's either her or someone who looks remarkably okay. like her. But then again, the style back then, they all look the same. Yeah, Morning Departure, which is a John Mills movie. Can't see... Trouble in Store, 1953. No, can't see any carry-ons, no. but probably, like say, getting them mixed up with somebody very, very similar. I'm going to have to go through all my carry-ons now. It's an early one. It's a black and white one. Yeah, regardless, or Constable or something like I that. I wanted possibly. to say Constable. Yeah. Carry on Constable, but I'm not... She's not on this, anyway, according to this. Maybe it wasn't a major part. We can't talk about Troubling Store without talking about Margaret Rutherford. No. <laughs> Miss Bacon. Right, now, <laughs> you must know Margaret Rutherford from other movies. Do you know I'm going to shock you and say I don't? Really? But yeah. you know Margaret Rutherford? Yes. Right. And you're going to say a few in a minute, and I'm going to go, oh, yeah! <laughs> She's probably most famous for four Miss Marple movies that she did in the 60s, Murder at the Gallop and things like that. See, I'm not a Marple's fan. I'm... Right, so you're not an Agatha Christie fan? No, no, not really, no. Um, She was in, I think it was called The Mouse That Roared, which was the Peter Sellers one about the very small European country that tries to invade America. Right. And lots of stars in that. Um, I want to say she was in one of St. Trinian's movies as well. I'm just double-checking. But she's made, but her main sort of claim to fame was these four Miss Marple movies that she did. Always plays doddery old bat. Yeah, but I bet in real life she was far from it. Very educated woman. Yeah. And looking at this, she was only 60 when she made Trouble in Store. She wasn't amazingly old. Right, I'll give you a couple here. She was in... Right, she did a TV version of The Importance of Being Earnest as Lady Bracknell, which is the famous handbag, you know, yes. that, that thing. <laughs> um, Passport of Pimlico. Oh, okay. Healing comedy. Happiest Days of Your Life, which is, um, that's what I'm getting confused with. Happiest Days of Your Life is a school comedy with Alistair Sim. You know Alistair Sim who plays the headmistress in the St. Trinian's movies? Yeah. I think he runs a boys' school and she runs a girls' school. And they have to join together for some reason and share the same school. And hilarity ensues. <laughs> that is a very good film, actually. Uh, the Magic Box, which has got everybody in it. That's one we're going to have to have a look at. Uh, Trouble in Store, Alligator Named Daisy. Smallest Show on Earth, which is a Peter Sellers film. Brilliant film. Just My Luck. She's in Norman Wisdom. That's, that's a Norman Wisdom, Just My Luck. It is. She's in that. She plays Mrs. Dooley. Oh, okay. We'll have to have a look at that. I'm alright, Jack Peter Sellers movie. Murder, she said, there you go. And there's the, you know, the Miss Marples. Famous, famous British comedian. 
you know, I always put her and sort of Joyce Grenfell together and just one of those faces that was always in a movie on a Saturday afternoon with, let's say, Norman Wisdom or Peter Sellers or something. We'll have to look at the Miss Marples, mate. I'll have to... See if you can convert me. have to tease you with them. Yeah, see if you'll actually enjoy them. Do you not like any sort of Agatha Christie at all, then, is it? I've never really watched it. Have you not? What do you no. like with Sherlock Holmes? I've never watched Sherlock Holmes. None no. of those sort of detective stuff? No, it's no. not something that's ever sort of, like, come at me, really. Mm. Um, an interest. I think yeah. the closest I've got was like the Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like Sherlock Holmes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched Columbo a couple of times. No, again, but... <laughs> again. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Your interpretation of classic British detectives, literary detectives, is, is Columbo and the Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Says it all. <laughs> so why, I did watch what, Frost. Fro- I love I love Touch of Frost. Yeah. So come on, why did you choose this movie? I know you've got some fond memories of with your nan and things like that. I mean, how often do you watch a Norman Wisdom now? I'd say probably a couple of times a year. Not as much as I used to watch them. Right. Um but it's sort of like a, a Sunday afternoon thing, it's not a lot of us going on. Yep. You it's a very easy bed. watch. I'll it's a very, it, very easy yeah. watch. Turn your brain off and just let it sort of like wash over you because you, you don't have to focus. I, I lost the plot halfway through it at yeah. one point, you know. And it's just such an easy... You can relax, you just watch it. It's funny. It always makes you laugh. I think it's sort of like... um, It's like an Only Falls and Horses. doesn't matter how many times you watch it and you know what's going to happen. You still it's laugh. It's still funny. I will still stay what I said at the beginning that from my memory, I don't remember this being his best. No. I'm sure it gets a lot better. It does. I, I wouldn't recommend this as an introduction to anybody that's never seen a normal wisdom film. No. If our rules stay, we started first. That's we? Yeah, that's just something we've put in place. But but definitely, for me, The Early Bird is the best one he ever did. And right. I think so would you say that's a good right starting time. point for people then? Would yes. You say, you say yeah. you want to watch a Norman Wisdom, start with the early bird and sort of work your work way, way around. Work backwards. Yeah. With it. Okay. Because I remember there's one where he's in hospital and he's covered in bandages and he ends up on the ambulance, on the roof of the ambulance. Bulldog breed, I think. Don't know. I can't remember. It's the one with the little girl, the orphan girl and all that. Lot. And I remember that being really funny. But then, again, that was 20, 30 years ago that I watched it. So I could, it could be a load of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Modern day audiences, I don't think will get it. If if, no. if I was to introduce this to an adult and say, "Here's a Norman Wisdom movie," if they've never seen it, it's going to be the funniest thing you've ever seen. I don't think they'll find it funny. I think it's more sort of the memories and the nostalgia for me that made it funny. Yeah, it's like I watched the Jerry Lewis movie the other day. Yeah, right. I remember as a kid laughing my nuts off at. The Nutty Professor and things like that. I just watched it and it was painful to watch this time round. I'm just thinking it's it was too over the top. Yeah. And and this was giving me a little bit of that. The the bit in the office where Norman and and uh, Jerry Desmond he hasn't realised that Jerry Desmond is his new boss and he's going through answering the phone and helping himself to the drinks cabinet. I'm thinking, you're just mugging this up just a little bit too much, <laughs> just a touch too much, reel it in a bit, you know. <laughs> but then that was Norman Wisdom. Yeah. That was what he was famous for. It yeah. was the Pratt Falls. It was the physical comedy. It wouldn't be a Norman Wisdom if he didn't fall over. That's the thing, like I say, he was still like that up until last of summer wine when he was yeah. doing that. 
it wasn't a put on just for that. It was just him. Yeah. That was how he operated, and it worked. Yeah. With the, the cheesy smiles and the, the yeah. slapstick comedy, the falling overs and all that. He was very, very good at that. Have you seen the footage where he gets his knighthood? No. He's at Buckingham Palace. Doesn't he fall over on the way up to it? Well, he does, yeah, as he's asked to step forward. Does like a forward roll he does or the something. Tri- he does a trip. He does like the, the stumble in front of the Queen or Prince Charles, whoever it is. He just, he, even in front of royalty, he just couldn't help himself. Yeah. <laughs> that just shows what sort of a man he was and how dedicated he was yeah. to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to going through these. Yeah. Because I know they get better right up to just my luck. And at some point, we're going to have to look at things like the night they raided Minsky's and, and, you know, where he's, he's got these little cameos. And I'm sure that was Oscar nominated, that movie. There's one movie. Might be Star with Julie Andrews. There's something he's in that was a real sort of famous Oscar-nominated movie, um, and he plays like this music hall act, like turn of the century music hall act or something. It's, it's not normal wisdom as we know normal wisdom, you know? and even some of the serious stuff as well. We're, we're, we're going to work our way through eventually. It could take years, you know, if we do one every couple of months or whatever. But yeah, looking forward to actually looking at some more. We can't sort of finish this without going back now I know you've got a real soft spot for this lady Joan Sims yeah that's, you like her don't you I He's... do like Joan Sims it's carry on it's this mm. um, her story rolling only falls which is it's, it's an old Joan it's Sims it's Freddie the Frog one. isn't it Freddie the Frog it's the funeral She's that's the, it is that the one isn't it yeah, yeah it is weren't she in was it a Dennis Waltman thing Mrs Wembley on the up or something it was yep. called that was that was her when yeah. it was on the last things she did. Um, she was in quite a lot of stuff, wasn't she, Joan Sims? Mm. People remember her for the carry-ons. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and she was probably in more carry-ons than most of the other guys. she was in the majority of them. Yeah. And she did a she lot of the stage the show one. stuff as well. Yeah. Well, she was in right from the early stuff, yeah. wasn't she? Nurse and all that lot. And then pretty much right up to behind. Oh, yeah, it might have been a couple more after that, actually. Yeah. She was in a lot of them. Very good friends with Kenneth Williams. I've got her um, autobiography down there. Never married. She, she remained single for all of her life. Lived in London. Lived in this flat in London. And, and just worked her ass off, basically. I bet she wasn't short of attention, though. No. She yeah. was quite an attractive girl. She was, years. yeah. Yeah. But she was like a, a real good friend to Kenneth Williams and a couple of the other guys. You know, Charles Hawtrey. She was always sort of kept an eye out for them because they were the two the, the troublemakers in real life you know Kenneth Williams of all his problems Charles Hawtrey with his drinking you know she, yeah she would be the one that they would call in the middle of the night and she would be the one that would listen to them she, you know she'd always bend an ear and, and, and be there for them you know and you can imagine that from her I love Joan Sims yeah I can, I can see why you've got a bit of a soft spot I always thought she'd be great if she got into Last of Summer Wine I think she'd have been brilliant in that. Yeah, she wasn't that old when she passed. No, sure. she wasn't. She couldn't have been, could she? And um, I always thought she'd also make a very good extra in Bless This House. Because her and Sid James always thought had a really good working always relationship. Always got on. I mean, a lot of the carry-ons when they played the married couple, they never got on, did they? No. It was, <laughs> was it abroad, I think they were yeah, married in carry-on? Yeah, apart from carry-on camping. Carry-on camping, they're married in that, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only carry-on they actually got on him. Have you any idea what the next Norman Wisdom movie is after this? Off the top of my head, no, I no. don't. Okay. I forgot the running order. Well, we won't be doing 
Norman Wisdom for a little while now. We've we've started the run of Norman Wisdoms. Yep. Eventually, we're going to start the run of carry-ons. We will. We'll get there. Um, we'll get this year out of the way. I think that might be a next year project. Yeah. We're not going to do them every month. It's going to take a while. I think you wanted to do the James Bonds at some point. Yes. Yeah. We need uh, to... We've got so many big series of yeah. films to... And to do them all in, in sequence. That's so, it. Yeah. From um, start to finish. That's the rules. What else did we say? The St. Trinians. We'll do St. Trinians. Healing, healing comedies. Loads of stuff. Looking forward to it. Okay. Let's take a short break. We'll be back in just a minute with what we're watching next time. Tony, what we're watching next time. You ready for this? I'm in suspenders, yeah. We're in suspenders. We've watched the comedy this week. Two weeks' time, we're going to be talking about a drama. Oh, okay. Okay, we've done a war film, we've done thrillers, we've done cop, we've done... It's a drama. It's a historical drama. Oh. 1958. We're still in the 50s. 1958, directed by Roy Ward Baker. The cast. Mm -hmm. It's got a fantastic cast. It's got Kenneth Moore. Right. Who I absolutely adore. Honor Blackman's in this. Um, Kenneth Griffith, Frank Lawton, David McCallum, very young David McCallum. And I believe there is an uncredited appearance by a very, very young Sean Connery, but I'm yet to spot him. Oh, 1958. That's a terrible impression. I'll do a podcast. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I thought you were just making noises. Um, <laughs> that was more of a creaking noise yeah. I made. I'll do apologize. That's fine. I thought it was your breakfast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the story of the Titanic. It's called A Night to Remember. Oh. Have you ever seen it? No. Um, I've obviously watched the the normal uh, Titanic. The normal Titanic. The, the, the crap Titanic. The, the crap one. Right. Do you want to see a proper version of it? An yes, actual... just don't spoil the ending. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Would you like ice with that? So? <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> there you go. There's the Blu-ray. You've never seen it. It is, a, it is the definitive account. There was a famous book written by Walter Lord called A Night to Remember. Mm. And it was the first time, you know, 40 years after the event, that it was documented. And then they took that source material and, and made this. It's, it focuses mainly on the night of the sinking. It doesn't really leak too much in the lead up to it. And Kenneth Moore is absolutely fantastic in this film, as is everybody. He is a very good... Elements of this were used in Cameron's Titanic. Right. Okay, because it's, a lot of it is from eyewitness accounts because a lot of the guys were still alive mm. when this was made so get yourself a copy watch it this week we'll be talking about that in two weeks time yes I quite like I think I'm going to enjoy this one yeah this has been Real Britannia you can follow us on Twitter at RV underscore podcast find our website realbritannia.libsyn.com Tony's been contributing to the Facebook group the Facebook page I've done a little bit on there yeah a few bits and pieces so if you want to get yourself over there and like that because we'll post all the episodes there as well and email any sort of thoughts and feedback to realbritannia at gmail.com it's been a pleasure having you over here today sir. yes thank you for having me and it'll be a regular feature now two, two weeks time I think we'll do this every fortnight yes on a Sunday on a Sunday morning very very civilised yes <laughs> We'll drink tea and no, chat. Custard creams and stuff. Oh, yes, I'll bring the Bicky box next time. Excellent. See you soon, mate. See you later. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. Bon voyage.
good luck. Thank you. This has been Real Britannia. Uh, you can find us somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Kent. You can find us in Kent. Right, let's start again. Oh, oh, I'm drooping. Oh. <laughs> you need to tighten it up. Your nuts need to Oh, tighten. no. Your nuts need to Don't worry. It's it's the weight of it. <laughs> it doesn't need to tighten. Just leave it there for the moment. Don't get yeah, Don't touch. <laughs> Needs another Viagra. British hand up, sir.